good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Take your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Ephesians chapter 2. I was looking this week at some of the, just taking a a look at a sample of headlines that um, uh, were in the news, and um, I want you to look up here on the screen at some of the headlines. You may uh, have read some of these. There, There are many more I could have picked out, but Um, The North Korean missile is a monster, uh, larger, more powerful than anything it has built before. Uh, We've read about sexual harassment, earthquake, shakes American politics and the entertainment industry. Uh, An apex man was charged with murder of his wife the day after Thanksgiving. Greensboro police say that gang violence sparked last Monday's triple shooting. I think we're having trouble back here with the, um, the jury in San Francisco uh, found the accused killer of Kate Steinle not guilty of murder. Blackberry was um, uh, found uh, guilty and then uh, t- uh, instructed to pay Nokia $137 million in a payment dispute. The DC Transit banned the Catholic Church's Christmas ads on and on the list goes. There is just one negative story after another describing the chaos, the conflict, the turmoil, um, uh, there they are, of our uh, world today. Now, in contrast with the negative headlines that we read about is the message of Christmas. And the message of Christmas is that there is peace on earth, yet Sadly, many people lack peace in their lives. You may be here this morning and be one of those people. You're, you're, you just don't feel the, uh, there's peace in your life. There's, instead, there, you feel um, that there is a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of uh, turmoil. Um, and you would say that as you look around and you read, you would say there's no peace in the world today. There's certainly no peace in my life. Throughout history, people have struggled with the notion of peace on earth, even as far back as the Civil War. Henry W. Longfellow wrote the lyrics of his now famous Christmas song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And in that song, in that uh, uh, poem he put to music, He wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then down in the song he he says, But in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. We would agree. Many of us, there's no peace on earth. Longfellow was burdened by the hostility and the hatred and the grief and the despair that he saw all around him as he penned these words to his song. But while he was penning those depressing words, there is no peace on earth, there was a ringing in his ears. And he was reminded of the angel's announcement to the shepherds on the Judean hills 
recorded in Luke chapter 2, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, the message is, yes, we deal with grief. Yes, we deal with the hostility and the hatred of others. Yes, we deal with tragedy and conflict. Yes, we bring turmoil into our own life that uh, is no one else's fault but our own. But in the midst of it all, there is that ringing in our own ear. And if we listen closely with our heart and not judge with our eyes or our mind, we can hear the same message that Longfellow heard, and Longfellow finished his song with these words, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Friend, despite the chaos of life, despite the turmoil, despite the conflict, despite, despite the hostility and the hatred we see all around us, when the peace of the Prince of Peace comes and lives within our heart, we are at peace with God and peace with others regardless of what's going on around us. This morning we come to a... Um, text here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 14 through 18 in which the Apostle Paul deals with Jesus's role as the Prince of Peace. Now we know that um, Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Back in Isaiah uh, chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 the prophet said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end. Well, as the Prince of Peace, Jesus came to bring peace to mankind. Jesus came to bring peace to your heart, to my heart. In the midst of a world of chaos, in the midst of a world of hostility and hatred, the Christian, the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, can live with peace, knowing that we are reconciled with God, that our relationship with God has been made right, and therefore, because of our relationship with God being made right, our relationship with others is made right as well. So let's look here in this text. Paul gives us here the way of peace. The word peace appears four times in these three verses, and those occurrences give us the outline of the message this morning and how Christ brings peace to our lives. So if you're in conflict with someone this morning, if there's a conflict between you and someone in your family or someone at work or maybe a classmate or a neighbor or anyone else, may could be somebody that you're at odds with even here at church, Paul says this is the way of peace. This is the secret to a peace-filled life. What I want you to take away from the message is the fact that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, calls us to peace with God and peace with one another. So let's look. There are four things I want you to see in these verses about peace of God. First of all, the person of peace. 
Paul starts with a definition of what peace is. True peace is not merely the absence of hostility. The cessation of war is not peace. The two people deciding to part ways and go in different directions is not peace. That's just an agreement never to speak again, but that's not peace. An enforced truce is not peace. True peace is oneness, harmony. That's the only form of peace God is interested in. The healing of conflict, restoring of unity. And Paul gives, here the, gives us here the key to oneness, and it's found in a person. Look what he says in verse 14. For he, meaning Christ, he himself is our peace. Now he's referring to Christ and his work on the cross. So go back one verse, look in verse 13 where he's uh, told us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In other words, we've been reconciled with God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Therefore, he, Christ, is our peace. He is the one who enables us to enjoy oneness with God, harmony with God. And when Christ makes peace between individuals and God the Father, when Christ makes peace between individuals and others in their life, then that is a peace that is both satisfying and permanent. Regardless of what's going on around us, there is that feeling that everything is okay. Everything is right because we are at peace with God and therefore at peace with one another. Friend, to be at peace with others, you must first be at peace with Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And so the question really is, is Jesus Christ your Savior? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? If you're looking to have peace and harmony between yourself and someone else, if you're looking to have a better relationship with that person at work or that person in your family or uh, that friend, that the relationship's been strained, it's been cut off, it, it no longer is what it used to be, then Paul would say peace can only come through Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace, and he is the only one who can truly unite people together with God and with one another. Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, the prophet said, For thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So let me ask you this morning, are you at peace? Or have the circumstances of life robbed you of your peace and your joy? Are you in a constant state of turmoil? Are you stressed out? Are you frustrated? Then I would say to you this morning, the answer is not in anything else that the world tries to find peace through, but it only through Christ, the Prince of Peace. That's the first lesson. The person of peace is Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice in the second place, the process of peace. There's a two-step process for acquiring peace with God. First of all, Christ, the Prince of Peace, has to crush old barriers. Look what it says there. Who, he, 
He himself is our peace, Christ. He's talking about Christ. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance. Now, while Paul was writing this letter, I'm sure he visualized the Jewish temple at Jerusalem, which was surrounded by four courts. There's the diagram up here on the screen of Herod's temple. And I want you to notice that the innermost court was the court of the priest. That was only for members of the priestly tribe of Levi. Next was the court of Israel. That could only be entered by the male Jews. Next to the court of, the, of Israel was the court of women. Now, any Jew could enter the court of women, but a woman could go no further than that court, the court of women. Now, those three courts, those first three courts, the court of the priests, the court of Israel, and uh, the court of women, were all on the same level, same ground level. There, there was um, uh, differences, but at least they were on equal ground. So although there were differences between them, they were not as great as the monumental division between those three courts and the court of the Gentiles that you'll notice here on the bottom of your screen and up there at the top. You see, from the court of the women, one would descend five steps into an area in which there was erected a five-foot barricade. That barricade went around the temple enclosure, and then you would go down another 14 steps into the court of the Gentiles. According to Josephus, the Jewish historian, the wall dividing the Jews from the Gentiles was marked at intervals by stone inscriptions that said no foreigner was permitted to enter the Jewish enclosure upon penalty of death. Now that physical barrier illustrated the barrier of hostility and hate that separated the two groups the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul says, look again there in the text, for he, meaning Christ, has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, meaning through the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, who has broken down in his flesh the divining wall of hostility. Now, historically speaking, the wall... That barricade, that five-foot barricade, was not torn down until the Romans came in A.D. 70. So that wall was still standing in the temple when Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians. However, spiritually, it had been destroyed around A.D. 30 when Jesus died on the cross. His death abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. You say, well, how could that be? If you go back and read in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Well, 
You have to understand that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is referring to the moral law of God. He was teaching believers about Christian righteousness in contrast to pharisaical righteousness and how righteous conduct proved the validity of one's faith. So Jesus is instructing the believers in the Sermon on the Mount that there is a certain way that we are called to live as a result of our faith in him, a certain way in which we live that proves we are his followers, that gives validity to our profession of faith in Christ. However, here in Ephesians chapter 2, The reference is not to the moral law of God, but to the ceremonial law of God. The ceremonial law with all of its rules and regulations, such as circumcision or material sacrifices or dietary regulations, rules about cleanness and uncleanness and worship days. We read about these in Colossians chapter 2. These were the commandments expressed in ordinances which had erected a barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Jesus, Paul's wanting us to understand here, Jesus has set aside the whole ceremonial law with all of its rules and regulations. In his death, Jesus fulfilled all of the ceremonial law's requirements. So acceptance with God is now not through obeying certain rules and uh, being guided by certain regulations, but it's only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether Jew or Gentile, we all come to God through faith in Christ, not obeying certain rules, not living by certain requirements. Faith eliminates the barrier between Jew and Gentile and unites us together as one. So that's the first step um, in uh, obtaining peace. There must be the crushing, the breaking down of old barriers. But then the second step in the process is the creation of one body. Now, Paul says, if you keep reading, that he might create, what's the purpose of breaking down this wall um, uh, of, in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, so that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So Paul moves from the negative to the positive, from the elimination of something old the barrier of the law to the establishment of something new, one body in Christ, a new humanity. And you know what that new humanity is? The church, the body of Christ. This new unit, this new unity does more than span the Jew-Gentile divide. It also does away with sexual and social distinctions as well. Paul writes, for instance, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one. 
in Christ Jesus. Friend, peace comes to our lives. Peace comes to the church when the walls of division are broken down and the church, the body of Christ, discovers what it means to be one, a unity of believing men and women, blacks, whites, Asians, people of every color, young and old, rich and poor, who worship together, fellowship together, and serve the Lord together while demonstrating the same grace, the same love, the same forgiveness, the same mercy that was taught to them by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the church needs a lesson, I believe, again, on what it truly means when we are reconciled to God and reconciled to one another and what peace truly means. Um, many of us remember, not many of us, a good number of us in this room, remember um, the um, tearing down the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, I, I can remember uh, watching the news accounts and people uh, in Germany, standing on top of that great wall and celebrating. Um, uh, it was a guarded concrete barrier that uh, physically and geographically divided the, the German city of Berlin. You had East Berlin and West Berlin. The East Berlin was communist uh, uh, Germans, and uh, the West were the free Germans. And it was announced on November the 9th, 1989, that that wall, having been up from 1961 to 1989, was finally coming down. And it was, it started, the demolition began in 1990, and it was finished in 1992. And East and West Germany, communist Germany, free Germany, came together as one. The fall of the Berlin Wall, I thought about it this week, that the fall of that wall is a symbol of the kind of peace that God wants to bring to our lives. In other words, the tearing down of partitions and barriers and divisions and the creation of one body in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, for some of us, there are some walls that need to fall. I want to ask you this morning, is there anything standing between you and your spouse if you're married? Is there anything standing between you and a friend? Is there anything that stands between you and that coworker or that neighbor down the street or maybe someone here in the church? What about between you and people of other races or other ethnic backgrounds? Are there any walls of separation remaining in your life? Paul wants us to understand if we are one with Christ, if we are in Christ and therefore one with God, then we must be one with all of those in the family of God. Regardless of race, regardless of uh, age, regardless of their position in life, 
We are, it's as if we were to come to church with rose-colored glasses and the only thing that we would be able to see is that we are all alike through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Friend, Jesus died to tear down walls and to make us one. Amen? If there is any division between yourself and anyone else, just because of a difference of opinion, a difference of uh, the color of their skin or their, their ethnic background or their age or their position in life, where they live, where they're from, then Paul says, you have not truly understood the reconciling work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are, the ground at the foot of the cross is equal. It is equal in the eyes of God. Well, in the third, third place, Paul talks about the preaching of peace. Look in verse 17. He says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. You see, peace surrounded the ministry of Jesus. Among his last words to his disciples were these, found in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. And Jesus is still preaching peace today. He's doing it through his followers. You see, every time you and I uh, uh, treat someone with kindness, every time we are accepting of someone else, every time we open up this Bible and we share and communicate the love of God, the peace of God, we are preaching the message of Jesus to a world in need of understanding what peace and reconciliation with God is all about. The world, more than anything else, wants hope and peace. And it's only when we preach Christ, the Prince of Peace, can people find out how to have it. Finally, I want you to see in verse 18 the privilege of peace. Look what he says there. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Friend, when Jesus was dying on the cross, God reached down and tore the curtain of the temple from top to bottom. Now, why is that important? Because if it had been torn from bottom to top, man could have done it. But God did it to signify that the barriers between us and him were uh, broken down. There were no more divisions. He thus rendered Judaism obsolete. And at the same time, he opened up the way for all believers, Jew and Gentile, male and female, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, all to enter into his presence. I would say to you this morning that this is probably the greatest statement in the entire book of Ephesians. I don't know of a higher privilege of anyone anywhere than we now have access to God. Here we see the entire Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together to bring us into a relationship of oneness, of harmony with God the Father, and God just waits for us to come to Him as His children, to, to bear our hearts, to, to bring our needs, to, to share our desires, and for God to speak with us and to fellowship with us, to commune with us, and we are to go out and we are to share that relationship with others so that they too can be brought into a relationship with God. And 
and therefore we not only have peace with God, we have peace with one another, and we have this ongoing access to him. So that regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of the circumstances, as bad as the circumstances can be, Paul wants us to understand there is a peace for the believer that the world does not enjoy. And it comes only through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Friend, that's what Christmas is all about. The Son of God, the Prince of Peace, left the glories of heaven because this world was at enmity with God. And Jesus came to bring the two together as one, to bring, to restore the harmony between mankind and God the Creator. And through Him, we have peace with God. And through that relationship of peace with God and being brought into the Father's family, we now are able to be at peace with others even those that wrong us, even those that hurt us, even those that do us unjustly, we can have peace knowing that God the Father accepted us when we were not at our best, when we didn't deserve to be brought into a relationship with him. And God says, you go and you preach peace to that person or that group and you let them know through my grace and my mercy and my love and my forgiveness they can have peace in their heart in the same way that you have peace in yours and therefore we can joyfully sing that other wonderful Christmas song hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. And here's the line you need to remember. God and sinners reconcile. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark. The herald, angels sing, glory to the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your love and your grace, for your mercy, your kindness, but we thank you for your peace. The fact that because of Jesus, we've been brought into a new relationship with you. That we are at one with you in mind, in heart, in soul, in spirit. And Lord, we pray that you will help us as hard as it may be with all the things that are going on in the world around us to have peace of mind, to be at peace knowing that you are in control and that we are at one with you. Lord, I pray if there's any broken relationships here today, Lord, that you would restore those relationships. You would bring peace between the two individuals or two groups of people. And I pray that we would give you glory, honor, and praise 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming as the Prince of Peace to our world. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Band's going to lead us. I'm going to be down here. If you have something you want to share this morning, you just want to pray at this altar, you come right now. If there's not peace in your heart, you can walk out of here with peace. And if there's something going on between you and someone else, and you need peace between you and them, you just ask God to help you to remember that there is peace between you and him. Therefore, 